Ready to strap in for another exciting episode of No Driving Gloves, where Derek, John, and Will will use over 75 years combined industry knowledge to bring you a bare-knuckled view of the collector car hobby. So let's get rolling. Welcome, everybody. It's time again for another episode of No Driving Gloves. And unbelievably, for the first time in weeks, it's all three of us. We've got the Yay! Whole... We've got the whole crew together. Derek's here, Will's here, and unfortunately, John's here. Let's uh, go ahead and see what Derek's been up to, and then we'll check in with John. Isn't this neat talking in the third person? Is that third person? I don't know. And then we'll go ahead, because I think Will's got a big, long list of things to tell us what's going on and what's happening, and he might even have some special announcements, but I I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll find out when we get to Will, see if he remembers how to podcast. Derek, you got anything going on or anything happening? Oh, wow. A um, little bit here, a little bit there. Derek's been busy. Uh, we're, we're talking in third person tonight, uh, so just going to keep doing that. No, uh, Derek has been working and working and working. I did lead a one of our museum in motion tours uh, last week. Well, two weeks ago, sorry. Two weeks ago in Michigan gave some of our, a small group of our members from the Corvette Museum, some cool behind the scenes tours at Henry Ford Museum, uh, some of the Roush facilities, uh, Lingenfelter's private collection, places like that. So had a good trip, was away from the office for a while and fortunately took all my podcasting stuff with us. So last week's episode, I was actually able to record well in the midst of the tour came back and basically have been playing catch up at work for missing a week. So yeah, I've been busy, basically buried in emails and not getting to do anything fun, like play with any cars or anything like that. So basically just your same old, same old over here. What about you, John? Well, John's been doing much of the same thing. I'm going to have an interesting picture on the social media here in the near future. I was looking at my my task or, tasks at work, and I'm going, I don't know if I can get more diverse than what I'm doing right now, as I have two Model Ts, roughly mid-20s. You know, they're Model Ts, so there's a lot there, but they're supposedly 26s and 27s. And then uh, a 55 Lotus that I'm working on, and a 1991 Lotus that I'm working on. And I'm going, eh, this is a kind of diverse uh, range of automobiles from dead base Model T with no improvements to one that's got a little souped up, you know, holly carb on it and the overhead valve conversion and some things like that to a complete rebody almost of a race car to uh, finally finishing up that uh, 91 Lotus X180R Esprit race car that Paul Newman used to run. So I've just been busy trying to <laughs> bounce decade to decade in my head. It's you know you work on a T and then all of a sudden you got to go over and work on fuel injection. You go <laughs> things get a little bit confusing. That's kind of where I've been at that and doing a lot of behind the scenes things for the podcast. Going to add a new mixer in here in a couple weeks and working on the news show. Hopefully people are enjoying the no no driving gloves news episodes. 
And, uh, of course, the social media has been a lot more active. And uh, give us a like. Tell your friends about us. And let's see what see what happens. You can find us anywhere. No Driving Gloves, Instagram and Facebook, or nodrivinggloves at gmail.com. So with those plugs about us, let's let's uh, give a big round of applause and uh, welcome uh, our stranger host. He's finally joining us again from the world of Gadsden or Hoax Bluff, Alabama. So here's Will. Round of applause for Will. He's back. Yay! (laughs) I'll take booze all day long. I don't care. Oh, no, man. The last month has been kind of a whirlwind here at, uh, at Big O Garage. Uh, got a phone call from a friend of mine named David Coker that owns Rocket Racing Wheels. And he's developed a new wheel called the Attack. And it's a, uh, you know, kind of a pro touring type wheel. And uh, he asked me if we actually talked about this at SEMA about building him an autocross car to showcase his new wheels. And, of course, I told him, I'm like, David, man, we ain't got time to pay attention right now, you know? So he was a little bummed out, and well, he called me uh, six weeks before Columbus Good Guy Show and asked me if, um, if we could sneak it in. And I made a couple of phone calls and, and, and got a couple of my current customers to willing to wait, you know, a month for us to build this car. So we had, we had six weeks to build it and have it ready for the Columbus good guys nationals. And anyway, we wound up finishing it in four and a half weeks and took it to uh, Des Moines good guys show the week before Columbus and was able to shake it down and, and test it and, and really get it ready for Columbus. So car performed well in Des Moines of course, we, you know, tweaked and tuned and adjusted and, you know, had, had a few little minor problems, had an alternator issue and uh, just very minor stuff, nothing major. And he wound up finishing 22nd overall. I think there was like 80 entries. So, you know, we were pleased with that first time out. You know, cars all still running 275s all the way around. Most of your pro, pro guys are at least 315s all the way around. So like I said, pleased with that. Didn't make the top 16 shootout, but that was fine. So in, in Columbus, you know, we felt we had the car dialed in pretty good at the, at the end of the, the race in Des Moines, cause we just kept getting faster and faster and faster and faster. When we get to Columbus, which is good guys's biggest event. And Freaking Darren goes out there and makes the top 16, makes the shootout, and winds up finishing eighth overall. Now, we're not talking amateur guys out here running autocross cars. These 
these pro guys, I mean, we're talking the Unzer family is, is running good guys autocross now. So, um, and then there was a, um, I can't remember the guy, drives for Detroit Speed. Uh, anyway, he used to be a NASCAR driver. So, I mean, there, there are ex-pro drivers in this, in this class that he was in and um, wound up finishing eighth overall. And everybody pretty much above him, I think, other than one car, was sponsored by either, you know, Ride Tech or Detroit Speed or Summit Racing or somebody like that. And, you know, it felt really good being that we'd never built an autocross car before. Going out there and and competing the way that that, that car did on its second time out. So uh, hopefully it wasn't beginner's luck. Uh, I'm sure there was a little bit of that involved, but we were extremely happy with the results. And, and David that, own, that owns Coker, or Coke, David Coker that owns Rocket, uh, racing wheels was, uh, was very, very happy. So, you know, at the end of the day, that's what matters. David was tickled to death and, and we were happy with the results and, and it really opened a lot of eyes to, uh, to his new, his new wheels that he's come out with. So, and, and one of the cool things about his wheels are they're, they're a one piece wheel but they're still forged. So you get the strength of, you know, your three-piece wheels with the cost of a one-piece wheel. So, and I think comparing it to, you know, your higher-end three-piece forged wheels, they're two pounds heavier. Um, and the strength is actually the same. Yeah, it's two pounds heavier, but they're, you know, $1,000 a piece less <laughs> so and they're on the shelf ready to go he's got a lot of different backspacings there so um you know you call and you order them and, and then two or three days you got them ready to put on your car so that's 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 really pretty neat about those wheels so that doesn't sound too bad there i'm gonna butt in a little bit and just say for the listeners that don't know autocrossing is an a uh, single car event that you're on kind of on an obstacle course or a maze. You race between these cones, so you don't have to worry about hitting anybody. We go into it in depth. I think maybe it was around episode 12 or no, it was episode 19. I think uh, Jordan, a girl who does it all. She's a national championship autocrosser and she kind of explains autocrossing in very scientific detail. If anybody needs to really learn what autocrossing is and, I was kind of going to ask the questions. Where do these wheels come in price-wise and weight-wise? And Will's got all of that figured out. So now Mr. Coker is happy. Where, where's the car at now, Will? Or is, are you guys still playing with it, or does he have it to autocross at his leisure? Oh, well, the, it came back to the shop after Columbus. Um, believe it or not, there's not even a rear sway bar on this car. And I know that's kind of hard to believe, and it's out there competing with those guys. So it came back... Um, to put a rear sway bar on a fiberglass hood. It has a serpentine system on it. That's just absolute junk. So we had to do some shimming and stuff on it to keep the belt from squealing. Rewired some of the stuff in the, uh, in the GM harness that came with the, with the LS three. So just, just a few little things to, um, to make it a little, 
a little more user friendly. Um, unfortunately, we have another build in process that we're under extremely time crunch. So we only got to work on it a couple of days. We didn't get to get everything done we wanted to get done, but they actually picked it up last night. They're on their way to um, St. Paul, Minnesota for the, um, what's it called? The Street Machine Nationals or something like that. So that that's where they'll be racing this weekend. It may come back to me next week if we have time to work on it. David's real cool to work with. He's like, hey, if you got time, bring it in. I'll bring it in. If not, you know, we'll work on it later. So I know the car will be in Louisville at the Street Rod Nationals. I can't remember where all they're taking it. But they've got somewhere they're going with it about every other weekend. Um, we will personally actually have the car with us um, at the Good Guys event in Texas, and I believe it's in October, 1st of October. It's it's uh, it's getting road hard and put up wet. It, it's, it, it was built to beat on, and that's what they're doing with it. Uh, it's kind of amazing you can put that together in non-reality TV, real world, six weeks, probably four weeks. You know, once you you know once you have a game plan and get your parts ordered, they don't all show up necessarily the next day. I know some could. Yeah. So that you know, honestly, John, that was our biggest battle was parts. Um, we were next day airing stuff in. The UPS, I guess, was going through a, a contract negotiation or something. And man, every next day air package that we had wouldn't show up next day. And man, it was just, it was really, really frustrating. And honestly, that was our biggest holdup. And we still built the car in four and a half weeks. And that was rebuilding the rear end, uh, tweaking on the rear suspension a little bit. We didn't, it already had a Detroit Speed Quadrilink in the rear, uh, new subframe. Uh, in the front, different motor, different transmission, went from an automatic to a straight shift. So had to add pedals, um, took out all the old pedals, put in some tilting racing pedals, uh, a racing steering column, you know, plumbing all new brake lines. Um, just, I mean, pretty much a full build without paint in four and a half weeks. New gauges. I mean, it was... It it was it was a lot of work done in four and a half weeks, and then for it to go out and perform the way it did, I was very very happy. So we have a successful Camaro out there from Big Oak in basically a month. You said you got another project that had to be put on a back burner, and now you're playing catch up on it. Well, it wasn't necessarily put on the back burner. I still had guys working on it. Um, two guys pretty much built that Camaro in four and a half weeks. Now they put in a lot of hours. Um, Gavin and myself helped them the last say week. And then pretty much everybody else in the shop was working on a 42 Chevrolet pickup. That's been in the shop for a couple of years. Um, it's a really high end, super nice truck. Um, it's actually, it's actually at the interior shop. Now we should be getting it back soon. And, um, it will be making its debut in uh, Louisville at the Street Rod Nationals in the Exalta paint booth. So um, at uh, at 11.30 on Thursday, we're actually going to do um, 
a big unveiling car will be covered. Should be a lot of media and, and stuff there. And, you know, we'll talk about the truck a little bit and we'll pull the cover off and hopefully people kind of like it and create a little bit of buzz for Exalta and create a little bit of buzz for us and hopefully create a little bit of buzz for the NSRA Street Rod Nationals. It's unfortunately kind of, the Nationals hadn't really went downhill, but a lot of their other shows have really just uh, crashed and burned would be a little harsh, but have really they're they're past their heyday you know and they keep going downhill so um to see an organization like that kind of start going downhill it, it kind of sucks so um maybe it'll uh maybe it'll bring a, a little bit of light to to what they've got going on you know I'm going to say, and tell me if I need to edit this out, Will, but I believe when I was visiting you for your open house, that Chevy mid-build appeared in a, I think, the video from Big Oak Garage, which is still on our Facebook page, if uh, I'm not allowed to plug that. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. Um, I mean, a lot of people a lot of people know that, that we're, we've been building the truck, so it's not like a, a Detroit secret car or nothing like that so um you know there there's a few pictures of it floating around we've, we've kept it pretty quiet you know if, if you dig around a little bit you'll find you'll find some pictures of it and uh if you'll you'll stay tuned to you know no driving gloves social media and big old garage social media you'll um a day or two after this airs you'll start seeing a little bit of a. A, little, a few of the build pictures floating around a little bit and, you know, try to try to create a little bit of a buzz before, you know, the debut. So, yeah, since I'm really good about that plugging things, give a big Oak, a big Oak garage, a following on both the Facebook, Instagram. I don't, you're not a Twitterer, are you? Um, I do have a Twitter. Uh, basically I just share stuff off my Instagram to my Twitter. So I don't, I don't really do a whole lot of tweeting. Well, as long as it's there, you know, the Twitterers are out there. I know everybody is their social media or has their social media love and hate and just try to get you a couple more followers maybe. And, um, appreciate you making the announcement on where to see the truck on a uh, no driving gloves. Hopefully that's the beginning of you know, breaking news that can start happening every now and then. Yeah. That's the, that's the first time it's been announced publicly is on no driving gloves. And you know, I'll, um, y'all, y'all know first. So I think, uh, I'll start my social media push for it uh, a couple of days after the show airs. So if you just stay tuned and start seeing a few build photos here and there, and now I won't be posting any of the color or anything like that. So, um, you'll have to, uh, you'll have to either come to Louisville or I think, um, I know street rider magazine road tour, their Facebook page, they'll be doing a live Facebook live deal on it. Um, there'll probably be a couple of Facebook lives streams out there of, of the unveiling of it. So, uh, hopefully we'll keep our eyes out and try to share those too. So I got to step away one second. 
Well, I guess that leaves me. And you Are you still out there, Derek? I know all three of us, to be honest, this evening are having Internet challenges. Not so much Will, but both on Derek and I's side. It's a little wonderful thing. Uh, I was I was actually just taking a nap. Did, did Will announce anything cool? No, um, he, actually, I'm going to give him credit because I've seen that truck in the build, and it's a spectacular vehicle, um, and it's it's dropped and it's tucked and it it's a really good looking truck i've only seen it in bare metal in person um i haven't seen you know any of the finished stuff or as it's approaching finishing because it's still as we're recording it's still in upholstery you know and that's one of the things i i've had to do cars on a timeline but not like will's been turning them out the last couple of weeks Oh yeah, he's been doing a fantastic job and you know, we we'll give him the the pass for missing the podcasts there a couple times, but uh no, I I was you know, I got a chance to see the truck, you know, still in bare metal uh when I was down there to pick up the paint booth that um folks had heard about on the the podcast and I think they saw the um more Mondays video posted to our um social media on no driving gloves. Yeah, a fantastic truck. Of course, we all know uh, Will and Big Oak Garage do some fantastic work. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's good to hear that that truck's going to be actually um, unveiled to the the public here pretty soon because I think it'll be it'll be one that people are going to like to see. Now, I'm kind of uh, what you just said. You saw it in bare metal. I saw it in bare metal. You were just there four or five weeks ago to get that paint booth. So it must be like one of the first vehicles he's painted, and I wish I could plug his paint booth, people. I don't know if we're supposed to. This seems to be let's <laughs> plug stuff for Will, and hopefully. But don't yeah. worry, he's not here so to hear it. So is, okay. okay. Yeah, no, we'll forget that, and let's just pretend <laughs> we were talking nice about him. And Derek was saying, just like I had said, that he'd seen the truck in bare metal a few weeks ago when he was picking up your old paint booth. Uh, you so kindly... Uh, provided to the the Corvette Museum, and I kind yeah. of provided. Uh, so was, is 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 this uh, yeah, pickup that's debuting of. the first one painted in your uh, new paint booth? Oh, uh, actually, it is. It's it is the first vehicle painted uh, in the new paint booth, and uh, man, I couldn't could not be happier. I'll put it this way: we would not ha- we wouldn't make Louisville. If it wouldn't have been for this new paint booth. The size or the features or? Oh, the features. You know, the size is really not much different. Um, you know, there's a maybe 10 square feet, 15 square feet bigger. Um, but the biggest thing is being able to bake, you know, bake the paint. So you can essentially walk out on your last coat, <clears throat> hit the cure, and, you know, in 45 minutes to an hour, you can take everything out of the booth and load it again. You know, if we wouldn't have been able to do that, there ain't no way that we would, we would have made it, which we, I mean, we still hadn't, we hadn't made it yet. I mean, we still got a long way to go. Um, but I see light at the end of the tunnel. Well, it's you know? one of those things we sit and we talk and even, you know, at, at the museum and I'm sure Derek's under these challenges and I'm sure many of our listeners are, 
you, you try to justify, you know, you had a paint booth and you, don't get me wrong. You had a nice paint booth because even our museum kind of bantered about maybe we should buy that off of you. And of course, Derek scooped in and grabbed it. Bam. Uh, got there first. So, so, yeah. So you didn't need a new paint booth, but just the, you know, the couple of dollars extra, it's worth it in the end. You Sometimes, you know, sometimes it, you know, it's one or two features and, it's like podcasting equipment or, you know, my woodworking hobby is, you know, sometimes you just need that, you know, you need to spend two or $300 just to get that little bit of extra thing that the, the lesser tool doesn't have. And it just makes the world so much easier. And once you get to your, your level of street rod or hot rods, you're going to beat me up one day when you see me, but, but your level of hot rod <laughs> It it does come down to, and you know, the old saying, you know, you, you can't blame your tools. Well, sometimes the tools, you know, you you can do a good job with a bad tool, but it's a lot easier and a lot faster to do a good job with a good tool. So that I blame my yeah, tool a lot. That sounds <laughs> that sounds we, we we know you like snap on stuff, so we'll 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 jump <laughs> off that topic really quickly. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you how we factored in buying a new paint booth was a we we we'd added on to the shop and we were going to move the paint booth, and so we factored in how long it was going to take to take it down and set it back up versus buying a new one, which is what we really needed to add heat. And another big thing that this booth does it it sucks in outside air where the old shop, it sucks in the air, you know, that's in the shop. Well, we have a climate controlled shop. So when the paint booth is running, man, it, it gets really, really hot and the air conditions just struggle to keep up. So, you know, we had added expense there and, and then the, the heating element being able to speed the process up, you know, was, was huge. So, you know, now we don't have to wait four days, three days with it sitting out in the sun before we can start cutting and buffing. You know, we can start wet sanding and buffing the next day and, and be in there painting more stuff. So it was really kind of a no-brainer when we really put put the pen to paper and started really calculating what it was what it was going to cost to move that one versus buying a new one and getting all the extra benefits. That's a nice explanation on how, you know, how some of those calculations go, because again, if we've pointed out, now we've pointed out a couple of reasons for going and doing what you, you know, you had done. And I mean, those factors come into play a lot of times in buying minor or major tools for any shop. So just, you've got to look at the whole picture and no matter if anybody tells you, Hey, you're nuts for doing that. And the paint booth that we got was not the cream of the crop. I mean, it was, it's a really nice paint booth, but it's not, you know, like one you'd see like in a production shop, uh, production collision shop or something like that, that they're painting, you know, 10, 15 cars a day. Fortunate for us, we paint, you know, two or three cars a year. So, you know, we didn't have to get the super deluxe model. You know, we actually got, uh, one of Unicure's more base models um, and then made a few upgrades from it, you know, added a few lots, 
and, and then added the the heat heating element and whatnot and you know it, it works perfect for us because you know chances are that paint booth that paint booth there will probably will probably keep forever i mean it's just uh it does everything we need to do and spray booth mask on it and put stuff down on the floors so you know the floors stay nice and you know as long as you take care of it it'll last a long 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 time so you know the heating element will probably burn up before the paint booth starts messing up so derek y'all got the uh that one put up yet uh no no we don't it's uh stored uh right now and uh, of course we're waiting i think uh, i'm not sure if we've really mentioned it on the show or not but I might have brought it up. The museum, uh, we're building a new collection storage building. And um, it's going to be, we're going to wall off a section of that <clears throat> building. And that'll house the, the paint booth and, you know, kind of a small work area for, you know, any paint work we need to do. We can also do some of our, you know, preservation um, work a lot of times you might need a paint booth to you know remove fumes things like that if we're using chemicals we're we're kind of holding it in storage right now and uh, hopefully the new building construction will start um, kind of hoping for before the end of this month and uh, we'll be able to get that up oh, I was gonna say we're we're hoping to have it up by uh, really hopefully well before the end of the year but you know if it you know depending on how the building construction goes uh but i'm I'm really planning on it being up and running by by the end of the year cool well i, I tell you man you and the two guys that you brought with you man y'all are y'all are hustlers that's for sure i mean took that entire paint booth down in 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 a day i know i know we were with puppy dogs when we got done but uh you know that was a that was a lot of work to do in a day, and and uh, y'all said y'all was gonna come do it in a day, and by God, that's what happened. <laughs> we don't mess around. What can I say? <laughs> I'm not but familiar no, I mean, with that. <laughs> but I mean, I think that's you know uh, part of and and something that as I was listening to Will talk, you know, Will you and you probably get these a lot more than John or I. Uh, have to deal with them but you know you get these unveilings and tight deadlines and really it's you know at least in the the professional end of this world the the automotive world uh, you know a lot of times we we back ourselves up against the wall in that whether it's you know in in a shop like wills or you know even in the museum world we we wind up you know, especially with historic vehicles, uh, you know, a lot of times having a deadline, you know, it's got to make it to a certain Concord elegance or, uh, you know, in the case of like the Jim Clark Lotus, it had to make the Goodwood Hill climb and, you know, you, you got that deadline and, you know, maybe your your hobby cars at home. I, I don't have a deadline on those typically, although you know, my deadline is always I wish it was done yesterday because I'd rather be out driving it around. Uh, but you know, it's it's just kind of one of the things you know we do face in in this uh, 
world in this business and, and everybody has it at work. They have the deadlines, but it's, it's a fun struggle, at least in our, our world, because when it's finally come to an end, there's, you know, the joy of, of seeing that work and, and seeing it, you know, do an autocross and perform within the top, you know, eight of its, its group and, you know, have in, in mine and John's case, you know, a lot of times, uh, a couple episodes we talked about, you know, the good fortune of meeting some, some really legendary people, you know, getting these cars done and ready to go. Sometimes you get to witness them being driven by the, the person who drove them back 50 years ago or 40 years ago, or someone who was around at the time drive that car again and it really brings more meaning to it once you get that deadline done and you see the vehicle actually perform in some way, whether it's on a show field or on a track or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I just, you know, kind of thinking about things we've been talking about recently that kind of tied it all together for me when I heard Will talking about a deadline and then watching it, you know, autocross and actually be successful. So um, just kind of something interesting that popped in my head tonight while you, yeah, while you were talking, Will. Yeah, you, you know, honestly, most of the time, most of us shop owners are our own worst enemies. You know, we kind of create create that. You know, um, there are some customers out there that are like, yeah, you know, I've got a spot for this car at SEMA, and it's got to be there no matter what. You know, but most of the time it, it's the shop that, you know, creates the tight deadline. And, but like you said, there, there's, there's a lot of, uh, enjoyment in those crunch times. If you have a good crew and man, when we're working late, you know, we're, we're having a good time. You know, I've got a great crew that, that, um, I'm lucky to have that enjoy being here after hours and, 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 and working till you're dead tired and getting up and doing it again. So uh, there, there is, there is some enjoyment in, in that process. Yeah. It's, it's uh, for the, for the shop owner and even, even the guys working in the shop is the stress level goes up, but it, 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 you can't really feel it in, in a shop that, that really clicks and connects and, and, and has a good crew that works together. John, when was your last uh, tight deadline on something? Uh, probably, um, probably college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only deadline to college was be there, uh, clocked in, ready to go before exactly. That, that was the last time he actually <laughs> had gonna... to do something. <laughs> I was going to say, is that true? Because you know, my uh, lab partner, I had a lot of that time, and he had never there before eight o'clock. <laughs> who who was that? Uh, we you you don't like talking about him, I believe. But <laughs> but um, uh, I'm I re- all I remember getting the Cunningham ready for Amelia Island, and you know we we weren't panicking, but it did have to come back afterwards and get a few touch ups. And right now, to be honest, the uh, X one eighty R I talked to it about at the beginning of this episode. Uh, why it's not a drop dead deadline. It's really supposed to be done within the next 30 days. And we're following that up with a, the 
55 Lotus Mark 10, it needs to be done by um, January 1st because uh, one of our staff has it committed somewhere. And we just got a Lotus 11 in two weeks ago that's also committed to be done by January 1st. And this car just arrived and we knocked it apart in a week and body and frame have went off to a panel beater in the Northeast for him to get the body ready. And we're going to start taking care of some of the mechanicals and that. And so we've got why normally I don't have deadlines. There's a couple kind of pretty hard deadlines coming up. Um, I'm pretty confident we'll uh, achieve them if the projects are properly managed and stay on track. Uh, unfortunately, we're not used to that in the world I live in, and things can slightly go astray. And that Lotus 11 that's in the Northeast, there's already been a issue with the shipping and why nothing happened to it. It delayed everything a week. So it's always it's always little things, and you've got to take those into account. But never nothing in this industry goes clockwork, clockwork, clockwork. There's always a little bit of drama. It's not as bad as uh, Paul Jr. and Paul Sr., but there there gets to be some stressful times there. And, you know, the rewards usually are well worth it, whether or not it's placing in that top eight or getting that grade eight award or, you know, meeting the right person on the right day and, you know, learning more about the history or the world. We're having some more internet difficulties. I've already dropped Will and Derek, and I don't know if we're going to get them back. So I'm just going to wrap it up there. Hopefully we'll get over overcome these technical difficulties. I could name my internet provider, but I don't want to do that. But with that, we'll just go ahead and close out, and all three of us will see you guys next week. <laughs>